Hey friend, welcome back to The Word of Wit. It's going to be a story time episode. Um, I am going to be sharing a testimony. And I'm smiling, but this is a really challenging one to share. Honestly, I had kind of like put this deep, deep into my subconscious, I think. Um, but recently it came back up as you guys know i am in therapy and you know when you're in therapy things come up so um, i'm doing something that they call emdr in therapy and it's basically something that helps you to go back and kind of reprocess traumatic events so that you can change the way you're dealing with situations in the current so sometimes traumatic anyways that's look it up I don't know. I'm probably not even doing a good job of explaining it. All I know is it's been helping. So one of the recent things that has come up was a situation that happened a few years ago. So let's just go back there. So 2018-ish, I was really in a dark spot and I was crying out to God about a lot of things. I hadn't surrendered my life to God, so I was saved, but I wasn't submitted to him. And I really didn't even know what that meant. So flashback to that, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of emotions. I'm pretty much in survival mode. It's one of the darkest times of my life. I have gone through a divorce. Well, at that point it was only a separation. We hadn't got, gone through the legal process of getting the actual divorce, but we had both moved on in our lives. We're dating other people. I know that's out of order, but again, I wasn't submitted to Christ. So um, we were just moving forward. And I remember during that time, I was working a lot. There's a lot of things that I don't remember from that time because it's like everything was happening so fast. And it was like, I was barely sleeping because I was working third shift opposite of my children so that I would be able to get them to school and do all the things that I had to do with them, but also work the long shifts that I needed to work to be able to cover our bills. So I was working about 60 hours a week. I was a single mom, full time. Their dad was somewhat around, but it wasn't, he wasn't consistent um, with getting them. Like he had been, you know, of course, whenever they were growing up, he had been around their whole life. So it was a really challenging time for me. I was dealing with seeing my kids crying, you know, because they missed their dad. And it was just, it was a rough, it was a really rough season. And like I said, I thought I had dealt with it because I have forgiven him. We've kind of moved forward, you know, we're co-parenting and doing well with that. So I was like, you know, let the past be the past. Well, the thing about that is whenever you go through something traumatic, whenever you feel like your life is literally on the line. Like you don't know if you're gonna make it through a particular moment. It takes a little processing, it takes a little healing. And sometimes God has to expose that situation. He has to go back to the root of the issue that you're having right now. And it it goes back to those tra traumatic events. So <sighs> I ask you guys, what you wanted a video about. And I gave three different options. One was how to deal with loneliness. 
Um, one was sharing the gospel with friends and then the other one was my testimony. So this is the one that you guys voted for the most. You wanted to hear my story and it would take several videos to go through all of that because I wasn't one of those people that was saved overnight and everything radically changed for me. I was one of those people that accepted Jesus and then I went on about my life. And I didn't really know what it meant to submit. I didn't have an overnight change. God took me through the process. And I thank him for that now. And I'm still going through the process. And I thank him for that. Although it is challenging, although it seems like these seasons are a lot longer than it is for other people, I understand why he has me going that route because obviously I'm doing YouTube. I have my women's ministry. And there are a lot of people that I'm pouring into you know, my children, the women in my ministry, through social media, all the things. So I can't just snap through it. Like I can't, he can't just snap his fingers and pull me through it, which he could. I mean, it's, it's possible for him, but if he did that, I wouldn't be able to minister to the people that he's called me to because I wouldn't understand the things that they're going through. I wouldn't understand the real life situation. So I really thank God for that. So I want to preface this video by saying that I am grateful for the journey and though it has been hard and though I had to go through some really challenging things, it has made me a lot better. So this particular moment or this particular part of my testimony, like I said, it was one of the darkest times of my life. I was really like working, taking care of kids and then on Saturday nights, if I could get a babysitter. I was in the club or at some type of party, some type of bar, somewhere dealing with what I was dealing with, with alcohol or whatever. Um, if I wasn't at work, that is. So yeah, it was a struggle. And at one point, my kid's dad reached out and he was like, hey, I'm gonna get the kids tonight. Make sure you have them at your mom's at five o'clock because I want to pick them up from there, blah, blah, blah. Typically, I would take my kids to my mom's every day because I would be going to work at night. So they would go to my mom's at night before I go to work around 6.30, and then I would go to work at seven. And when I got off at seven, I would pick them up and take them to school and do all the things. Um, so yeah, it was like drop them off a little early. So I got up early that day, took them to my mom's and I remember being happy. I remember thinking, okay, maybe God is answering a prayer. Maybe, you know, he's finally gonna start coming around. He's gonna start being there for them because as a mom who has, who, you know, who never expected to be a single mom, you know, I was married um, and we decided to have these children together. So I never expected to be walking this path on my own and seeing my children crying because they want their dad. It was really heartbreaking, especially for my oldest because he had seen us together for most of his life at that point. Whereas, well, all of them had for most of their lives, but my younger two were a lot younger. So they didn't really care either way. Um, they cared, but it wasn't as hard for them, I should say. So it was just such a hard time for me. And I remember when he said that, I was just, like I said, I was happy. I was like, okay, finally, you know, we're going to be able to co-parent. He's going to be in their lives. Like they're going to be happy to see their dad. 
and they were they were excited about seeing him. So I took them to my mom's. I get ready, um, go to work. I get to work and about halfway, well, not halfway. It was about 11 o'clock. My mom texted me and was like, hey, he hasn't picked up the kids yet. And so at this point I'm frustrated because they were expecting him at five. So I dropped them off early. I had to get up out of my sleep and drop them off so they could see their dad. So I'm like, okay, it's already 11 o'clock. They're not even gonna have time with him at this point. So I was frustrated. So I texted him and I was like, hey, are you gonna get the kids? You know, and he was like, yeah, I'm gonna get them. And I was like, well, it's already 11 o'clock. Mom's talking about putting them to bed because they're tired. And I was like, this is, I don't remember exactly what I said verbatim, but I pretty much was like, this is frustrating because they were looking forward to seeing you and you haven't showed up for them. So at that point it escalated and he began to call my phone back to back to back to back. Like I said, I was at work, I couldn't answer. So I texted him and I was like, hey, I can't answer the phone, I'm at work. And he was like, well, just answer. You don't have to say anything, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I can't answer. Like my patient is asleep. Um, I was doing private duty nursing. So I was in their home. My patient's asleep. I can't like answer the phone and do all that on the phone. And just knowing him at that time and our uh, relationship, like you never knew what you were gonna get. I, I knew that it was a very high possibility that it would turn into an argument and I didn't wanna bring that type of energy into my job. So I was like, no. So he began to text me and he was like, I was like, well, just don't worry about them. Just leave them at my mom's. You know, it's fine, whatever. Just don't even worry about it because it's, it's late. In this point, it was like almost midnight. So he texted me after that and was like, I'm gonna go get them and you need to be here to pick them up when you get off. And I was like, there's no point in you driving and go waking them up to pick them up so that I could pick them up in seven hours. Like, that's crazy. And he was like, nah, you need to pick them up. And when I see you, I'm gonna slap up out of you. Now, we were together for nine years or 11 years. We were to get married for nine um, at that point. So in that time frame, like there had been a lot of emotional abuse, but he had never like slapped me or, you know, like physically abused me or anything like that. Um, there were times where he would like grab my shirt or do things to like try to intimidate me, but it was never up to this point. So I was like upset and in the moment, like I said, I wasn't submitted to Christ at the time. So in that moment, I was like, I remember I was dating a guy that was kind of like um, into like gang activities and things like that. So, you know, I was like, look. Like, I'm not about to deal with you. Like, I'll tell my boyfriend and y'all can deal with it. So, obviously that wasn't the right response and I was triggered. So that made me trigger him even more and escalate the situation. So, from there, he, he was like, oh, that's, that's cool. I'll shoot you and him. So then I was like, okay, now he's threatening physical violence on us both. So I was like, hey, if you're gonna threaten me, I was like, I'm just, I was like, you know what? Don't even worry about it. I will go and I will have 
I will file a restraining order against you because you're threatening my life. And I really meant that because if you don't, um, for those of you who don't know, which most of you don't know, unless you know me personally, uh, my dad was in prison for most of my life because of a gun incident. A gun went off and shot someone that he loved and they ended up dying and there was no way to prove that it was you know the gun went off and that it was an accident or anything like that so he ended up spending a lot of his time his life in jail a lot of my life in jail and so i don't play with guns at all like i'm not one of those people i don't even like guns for real like you know i have one around um i have a gun but I'm not one of those people that like plays with guns or just get super excited about guns. I, I am thankful for them, you know, in a way to protect yourself, especially being a woman, a single woman. Um, but outside of that, I'm not one to just play with guns because I know, I know too many people that have had their lives be changed forever. Not just my dad, but other people who have had, you know, a gun go off accidentally and someone got hurt or someone almost like got killed and someone did get killed. So I'm just very cautious about that. And when he said that, it really triggered me. And I was like, okay, no, like I'm, I'm going to take out a restraining order because now you're threatening my life. You're threatening his life, which I knew if I told my boyfriend, like it wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna be worried about that. But I, me personally, I'm like, I don't want him in jail. I don't want to be gone. Like, I don't want any of that. So I was like, to prevent all that, I'm not going to tell him nothing. I'm just going to the police station. So anyways, um, I was decided I was going to let things come down. He was like, pick them up. I was like, no, I'm not picking them up. I would get, I would pick them up um, before I go to work and take them to my mom's or you can take them to my mom's whenever y'all get up. So um, he ended up... So the next day, like we, the conversation was over at that point. I'm at work, you know, I'm sure I prayed. I don't remember everything that happened that night, but I know I was like dealing with it. And I, you know, I was like, what in the world is going on? Cause he's never threatened to kill me or shoot me or anything like that. So I'm like, what in the world is happening? So fast forward, I get off work. I go home, go to bed and I was asleep and I think my boyfriend had been there. I want to say, yeah, he had been there. And at the time, my ex-boyfriend, I should say. Um, my ex-boyfriend was had been there. He got up and left because he worked second shift. So he got up and left. I went back to sleep. And probably an hour after that, I get a knock on my door, my bedroom door. Now, mind you, I'm at home by myself. No, but I wasn't expecting anyone to be knocking on my door. So I was, you know, like, who is it? And it was my son. And he was like, hey, mom, we're home. Dad wants to talk to you. So at that point, I realized, like, I must have left the patio door unlocked because some days with me working on third shift, I would leave the patio door unlocked back then because the kids would get out of school. They would come home. And I, if I forgot to unlock the door, if I didn't hear my alarm or something like that, they could have easily walked in through the patio. Um, you know, they could jump over the patio and come in. So that's what my son did. He came in through the patio and he opened the door, let his daddy and let his brother and his sister in. <sighs> Literally, y'all, like my heart is racing. Just even thinking about it, that's crazy. All these years later, it's been 
five, almost six years. So, yeah, so then I was like, he was like, hey, mom, dad wants to talk to you. And I was like, no, you know, I'm not coming out there. Just tell him to call me and we can talk. And then you could kind of hear him like whispering something or maybe he was talking or whatever. I don't know if he was down the hall or whatever because my bedroom was in the back of the apartment, but I could hear him talking. I just couldn't tell what he was saying. And then he came back and he was like, dad, I want you to come out and talk to him. And I was like, no, you know, I'm not gonna talk to him. Um, he could just give me a call. So at that point, their dad starts talking through the door and he was like, you need to come out. And he's like yelling at me. He was like, you need to come out here. I want to talk to you. Um, you need to come out here now. And I was like, no, like you, you threatened me. I don't feel safe. You need to leave my apartment or I'm going to call the police. He continued to yell at me through the door. And I was scared at this moment. Like I remember just really thinking like what's going through his mind like he's threatening to shoot me he's coming to my apartment uninvited like this wasn't a regular thing where he just came in and got to hang out or anything like that like no i live separately he didn't have a key to my place he wasn't invited in none of that and i'm like he's in my apartment this man that has threatened to put his hands on me he's also threatened to shoot me and i'm thinking the situation had calmed down like you know, he was going to bring the kids home or I would pick them up, whatever, and everything would just be fine. But no, he's like yelling through the door. He's like, you need to come out. You need to come out. And I was like, no, like, I'm not going to come out. I'm going to call the police if you don't leave. My bedroom door was locked. I was literally, at the time again, I was not submitted to Christ. Like I said, my ex-boyfriend had been there. I was literally in a t-shirt. Like, that's all I had on was a t-shirt. Um, so... At that point, he kicked in my bedroom door. And I instantly got like even more scared. I, I was like, my bed was like in the corner of the room. So I like scooted to the back of my bed and yanked the blanket to cover myself. And I started instantly calling 911. And he smacked the phone out my hand. My phone flew across the room. And he's like yelling at me. I honestly, like at that point, I don't even know what he was saying. Um, he had a gun in his hand. That's all I know is he had a gun and he was waving it around and he was like, I, I remember him threatening me and all of this. And I was like, what in the world is going on? Like, I don't know why he, you know, I had never seen him like this. And, oh, I had forgot to tell y'all like the night before, whenever I told him that I was going to take out a restraining order on him, he was like, I don't care. I don't have nothing else to lose. So when he came in and he had the gun, in my mind, it's like, he doesn't care about his life. He surely doesn't care about mine. You know, he has a gun. He's already threatened to shoot me. Why did he bring his gun in here? He knows the situation with my dad. Like he knows, and you know, my the situation with my dad like is traumatizing for me. And he knows that I didn't even want my kids around guns at all. Like, and they're in the hallway, like they're seeing this. Um, one of them went in a room and hid and one of them was in their room crying. Like it was traumatic for all of us. And I really thought like, give me a second y'all. Um, 
Should have brought some tissues in here, but I didn't expect the crash. Um, I really thought I was gonna die. Like, I thought like I would be gone and my kids were gonna see me get killed. Like, and. I just started yelling like, cause I had already called 911 and my phone was across the room. So I just started yelling and telling the police like who was there. I said his name, I said what he had on and described him and everything. And then he was threatening to kill me and then he had a gun. And at that moment he left, he took off, he left out of my apartment. And I just thank God like that I called the police when I did because it's like, what could have happened, you know? I'll give me a minute to get it together. So it's like sometimes, you know, life is really just unpredictable. And I remember telling you guys like in another video that I found a journal entry from 2018 where I had been praying and asking God to help me to be abstinent. And I remember like, there's a lot of things that I don't remember in that season, but I do remember like seeking God. I remember being at work and working third shift and watching sermons all night on my laptop. And I remember writing out prayers and things like that, just asking God to help me in that season and I remember you know looking to all these things to try to help me get through that moment you know to help me to not even just that moment that season like I remember just praying and asking God to help me to stop drinking praying and asking God to help me to stop going from man to man from all these unequally yoked relationships and now it's like to see that God has brought me through that, you know, to see that God has healed me from that, to hear their dad like apologize, you know, and just he gave me more insight to what was going on in his life. And, you know, he wasn't in his right mind. And we are able to co-parent. And here I am, you know, years later, like sharing that story for those who may be going through something similar, who maybe have been through a situation where they're, or maybe right now in the darkest season of their life, going through situations like this. I'm just thankful. And like in that moment, there was a lot of things that happened after that, you know, whenever um, I called the police, I ended up taking out a, a order of protection. Uh, we had to stay away from each other um, for that year. And in that time, I don't know what was going on with him, but he did have to take like anger classes. And 
there was just a lot, you know, that God did in that season. And it didn't make sense. Like, I didn't understand why I had to experience that and why I was going through the things that I was going through. Because here I am, having been married to this man who did take care of his kids, who was, you know, present and there in the home with them to him not being around hardly at all. And then after the gun situation, obviously with the TPO, like that was shady. And from my understanding, he could only have, like he would, he was able to have um, supervised visits, but he says that his parole officer told him that he wasn't able to see the kids. So he didn't see the kids for most of three years. And that was hard and I really struggled because it was like, now I'm doing this. It's like, again, you know, the marriage ended because of adultery. Like he committed adultery and you know, I had forgiven him for that and all of that. But it was like, I'm a single mom because of somebody else's mistake. And then it's like, I'm having to do this by myself because of somebody else's mistake. And then it was really, I'm doing this by myself. Like now I can't like, you're saying you're not gonna get them at all, pretty much because of something that you did to me. And obviously I wanted him to get the help that he need prior to getting them. But it was like, now I'm having to tell my kids like they can't see their dad. I'm in this situation where I feel like no matter what, like I'm pretty much screwed. Like I got the short end of the stick. But now that I'm outside of all of that, you know, like I said earlier, you know, you go back and you reprocess it all. And it's like, God had a better plan. You know, his dad needed those anger management classes and he wouldn't have gone and gotten those on his own. And now we're able to co-parent so much better and that was the first time ever that I have really like set a firm boundary with him and stuck with it. And it just helps me to navigate everything. So I learned not to depend on a man, you know, and I'm not saying that we don't need men and all that stuff. This is not one of those messages, but I learned that man as in human, not to depend on them, to depend on God. I learned that God is my provider, that God is my protector. In that moment, he could have shot me. Like anything could happen. That gun could have went off and it could have shot, shot me. I could have pulled out a gun and shot him because I felt threatened. Either way it would have been traumatic for me, traumatic for them, traumatic for him. Like it would have been a bad situation. So now being in a place where I'm like, God protected us. And not only that, but he brought us through that. He helped us to become better people. He used it. Like it wasn't wasted. It wasn't just a traumatic event. Like purpose came from that pain. And that is something that always keeps me focused on him because whenever everything around me is crazy, whenever everything looks like it's falling apart, whenever everything when I look, when it feels like I'm going to die, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this moment. God is right there with me. He's got my best interest at heart. He's, he's going to work it for my good. And I can say like time and time again, he has done this time and time again. 
and just going through that, that was one of the seasons in my life, not just that particular incident, but that everything that was happening at that time during my life. It pushed me closer to God. He saved me, like, out of everyone in the world and whatever everyone is going through, like, he sees all of us, you know, and he saw me. But it wasn't, like, yes, he sees us all, but he sees you individually, too. And sometimes we forget that, like, we don't think that he cares about our individual our individual situations, but I wasn't submitted to him. I wasn't seeking his will. I was fornicating, I was drinking, I was partying, I was smoking, you know, I was doing whatever I wanted to do. I was out here trying to live my best life and asking God to bless it. Like I wasn't submitted to him, but he still saw me in that moment. He saw the girl that I would become. He saw that I was worth saving, I was worth restoring, and he kept me. And that I'm just so thankful that he kept his hand on my life even when, even though I don't deserve it. I don't even wanna say even when, cause I don't deserve it to this day. Like, yes, I'm more submitted to him, but, and yes, I'm, you know, trying to walk this walk, but even now, like, I still make mistakes. I'm still imperfect. I still can't do it without his grace. And I just, I just thank him for that. So to the person who may have clicked on this video, just to hear my story or be nosy or whatever, like God is with you. And although it seems like nothing is happening and he's not working, he's not moving in your situation, trust he's moving even when you don't see it. Like I can see all the things, all the times he kept me, all the situations that he worked for my good, all the trouble that I got myself into that he fixed and worked out in my favor and for the favor of those around me because I get to share my testimony and I get to inspire others to continue to seek him. So yeah, God is good, y'all. Like he's so good. So don't ever let your current situation keep you from seeking after him. I love you. I will see you soon. Be blessed, friend.